1: Welcome back everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, today joined by my good buddy of a really long time now. Philip, have, re- have you realized like how long we've been talking and chatting about basketball? Philip Barnett, he's been on uh, Locked On Lakers, I believe, to tell me about the experience of tweeting for Magic Johnson. And uh, that was a really fun and popular episode. I brought him back today though, to discuss a similarly polarizing basketball experience, which is being a Russell, Russell Westbrook fan. So uh, just in general though, man, like how, how you holding up Been a little while? You, you doing good? You ready for the Russell
0: Westbrook trade? Um, not ready for any trades yet. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to let you know these last moments of my favorite player on my favorite team uh, sink in before he's moved to a team i probably won't be able to root for um in the future but um, charlotte start. indiana charlotte i might be okay with as long as um gordon doesn't come to the lakers um but i don't think there's any route in which that happens um <laughs> indiana i'd probably be okay with um but uh you know if he ends up in somewhere like utah <laughs> boston um one of these miserable places. I'm, I'm going to lose my mind, but you know, we got a while before any of this happens.
1: There's a lot to get to a lot to get to on the Russell Westbrook fan experience. I, I have, I've always been a fan so long as he was on a different team, but I never really wanted him to be a Laker because I have been, I've, I've watched him play on other teams and, and, uh, while he was always thrilling and really exciting and, and a great, great player, I just thought him being on a fit, my favorite team would be kind of maddening. And it wound up being kind of true. So I kind of want to start there. And, and the experience of rooting for Russell Westbrook somewhere else versus rooting for him on your favorite team where wins become a priority, and then they, they didn't get those wins this year. Um, I, how, was, how, how was that dichotomy? How was that juxtaposition of, of all right, this is what it's like when he's in OKC or in Houston or in Washington DC, and then this is what he was like here for the Lakers. Uh, do you has it changed your perspective on him as as your favorite player?
0: Um. So I I guess to address the first part of it, like the, the whole juxtaposition thing is a little bit complicated because, you know, the Russell Westbrook of OKC, even the Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook of Houston is not the Russell Westbrook that we're getting in Los Angeles, you know, Very we, much so. have, we have an aged superstar who relied yeah. on, you know, 99, 95% of his game was athleticism, mm-hmm. you know, and the Lakers version of Russell, Russell Westbrook does not have the athleticism <laughs> that we have known to see. He has
1: your and my athleticism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're not quite there yet, but <laughs> But but it, it's it's a little different. It, it's not a one to one comparison. Um, you know, it, it was a frustrating season for a number of reasons, and um, objectively, I can say Russell Westbrook was you know a very large part of the Lakers' mm-hmm. failed season. Um, emotionally, I'm not willing to concede that much. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it it it, it was um. It was an interesting season. Um, for were the two like, halves
1: of your brain just fighting all year, like the the logical part of your brain and then the 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 artistic and emotional side of your brain? Like were they oh, just, no, no, no. I, just I constantly at odds?
0: No, I, I pushed logic all the way out. There, there was like <laughs> there was no way I was going to allow or even like be able to be even remotely objective about this season, even if Russ was like semi-decent for the majority of the season if his, you know turnovers are cut in half if his field goal percentage jumps like five points like i'm still looking at him as like a god on the basketball court Mm -hmm. on my favorite team um and and and, you know the season kind of wore at me and like you you saw the volume of (laughs) the number of tweets sent out during games for me this season um kind of (laughs) fall off of a cliff so (laughs)
1: definitely (laughs) definitely dissipated a little bit it was it was uh um i I, what about russ endeared you to him in the first place like what because i think that honestly probably should have been the starting point of this conversation it's like why like what made him your favorite player in the first place and then what was the difference between that and this year
0: um i mean my my Russ fandom kind of started while he was in school still at ucla yeah as someone who really doesn't care about college basketball he's one of the few players that kind of like has had my attention since school um and you know his game at ucla kind of translated still pretty well to the to the nba um he's just one of those guys who's always been like um he's had an edge to him he's kind of wanted to always do things his his way Mm -hmm. i've always had a thing for like volume shooters i've always had a thing for like players who are flawed in the, in a number of ways mm-hmm. um, especially like during this twitter era in which everyone's like you know efficiency
1: you know, not, yeah if they're not
0: efficient they're not valuable mm-hmm. um you know if, if they're not taking the right shots they're not valuable if they have too many turnovers they're not valuable and i i find beauty in like the exceptions especially at the superstar level mm-hmm. it's like um you know you look at a guy like lebron or you look at a, you know emerging stars like luca or you look at guys like um john ja Morant, to where like you know we're, we're paying a we're paying a lot of attention to like all of the things that they do well because all of the things that they do well align with you know the what numbers just yeah. we should be doing mm-hmm. um or we as if i would ever be in a position to <laughs> be analyzed at any kind of level at, on the basketball court um but Russ has always been that guy to where it's like he's not perfect in any way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. he does go out there and he performs and he does go out there and he um he makes winning plays. Um
1: and made. He just, I, not, was made. <laughs> I was made. Uh, there were a couple of games this year where he made a couple,
0: couple <laughs> of winning plays. Like three or four games. <laughs> it was
1: weird. Those games were the ones you were tweeting about. That was that was odd.
0: The, the night he hit the game winner, I wasn't around, and I was so mad. <laughs> Being a family man, my priorities out of order. Um, but yeah, it's just like you know, Baron Davis has always been like my favorite point guard. Yeah, he has a lot of Baron Davis in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like he he's tenacious when he attacks the rim. Um, when he is passing well, it's just like you know, he's unique in the way he goes about it um he rebounds well as a guard even you know with some of the flawed ways in which he goes about um grabbing some of those boards but yeah he's he's he was just you know he he's a one-of-one player um mm-hmm. for all the things he does well and for all the all the flaws that he has and um i've always appreciated those kind of players
1: yeah it, it's funny because when when i kind of first started thinking about covering basketball like even before, honestly, I, I started covering basketball. The NBA experience was so different because, like, I remember, you know, Gilbert Arenas, Baron Davis, like these players who Steve Francis, even um, uh, Jason Williams, the, the 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 white one, right? Um, I get, I guess, I guess it's Jay Williams now is the, is the is the black one, but like, um, but there was a sense of like entertainment was. Mm -hmm. the priority almost, right? Like, Jason Williams would throw a pass behind his back to somebody on the wing just because he felt like throwing a pass behind his back. And there was so much of the game back then that, like, this is why I really enjoy watching Jaw because so much of what Jaw does out there on a basketball court, it's like, yeah, because it would be cool if I jumped over this person right now. It would be cool if I just caught a lob from the three-point line as the quarter, ex- it, you know, in, instead mm-hmm. of like catching it and pretending, oh man, I didn't quite get that shot off before the, the horn, right? Um, I, I think this is where Russ honestly was, uh, he's a throwback player because there was so much, especially prime Russ, that he would do simply because like, yeah, it'd be cool if I took off from the elbow on a, on a layup. Why not? You know, literally that's his, his, his tagline no. is, is why not? And, and I think like, you know, we always hear about the conversation is always about players from, you know, that were ahead of their time. I almost feel like Russ was almost behind his time. Like where, where I, I I wish we could have had Russ in like the nineties and the conversation about him would be more about, you know, we would get kind of grainy footage of him doing absolutely obscene things on a basketball court. And that would be the conversation about him. Whereas over the course of his career. Um, the conversation became more about like, yeah, he averaged a triple double, but yeah, he did all this stuff, but you know, and and I just think it's it's been kind of unfortunate that that's the conversation about this guy.
0: Yeah, it, and and I think a lot of the the buts come just because he hasn't won a title, you know. Probably. Um, and, and and it's a little bit unfortunate because I I think there were there was a three season period in which Russ had a season-ending knee injury in which the Thunder were rolling and looking like the best team in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. The following season, Kevin Durant had a late season-ending season injury in which the Thunder looked like they were the best team on the planet. And then the following year, Russ had his second knee surgery that ended the season in which it looked like the Thunder were easily the best team in the Western Conference, or at least on par with the Lakers in those years. And it's just, you know during that three-season run. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine if both Russ and Kevin Durant stay healthy over that three-season run that they don't win a title in OKC.
1: Or at least get to the finals.
0: Yeah, right? they, they, they they did get to the finals once when everybody, right. when everyone was healthy, very young, um, very green um, in that kind of environment. And, you know, just ran into a LeBron team in which LeBron was on a mission to rectify you know a finals experience <laughs> yeah. which was the worst of his career um but but I mean like looking back in that period and I don't have the years but I think it was like 2012 through 2014 those those three years I I, I it's hard for me to imagine a world in which they stay healthy and they don't take the title home in one of those three years mm-hmm. but 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 you know the way in which the world operates especially now and you know a 24-hour news cycle around sports you know those ifs are meaningless you know yeah and so like we're we're judging russell westbrook's career um against a steph curry we're judging his career against a chris paul who you know hasn't won a title but like he he's the gold standard for efficiency at the point guard level mm-hmm. you know we're judging his career um against lebron we're uh, against you know even durant after he's left and we're um against even guys like, um, you know, Derek Rose, who, like, people feel like his career only fell off because of injuries, and he's never really got back to where he was before. Yeah. Um, but, like, all of this comparative stuff against guys who have been a little bit more successful or have, like, better reasons for not achieving, um, you know, that ultimate goal has kind of, like, set Russell in this yeah, he's done these things, but kind of conversation instead of like, God damn, he's done these things, you know what I mean? Because like empirically, you you look at what he's done on paper in the history of the game, he's done things that no one else has ever done, and it's hard to imagine someone else going three consecutive seasons, averaging a triple-double. Yeah, Um, And, you know, the triple-double stuff is not a reason why I'm a fan, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's still insane. Yeah, it, it, it's insane. Um, but you know, you know, thinking about like some of the reasons why I am a fan is like, especially early in the season. Like, I remember those um, when we had Vine still.
1: Russell, mm-hmm.
0: like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think I if I remember correctly, they're playing the Pacers. Um, someone shoots a long three. He grabs the rebound, like um close to the baseline but also close to like where the corner three is mm-hmm. he just sprints down the court and then like jumps from like outside the semicircle and throws down the tomahawk slam and it's like five and a half seconds it took for him to do that <laughs> so like I recorded and put it's it like up four on, dribbles like, yeah like <laughs> you want the length, grab the offensive I mean grab the defensive rebound with the length of of the court in the span of a six second vine You know, he's had plays where it's, like, um, in traffic. He does, like, the sham god move. Like, gets the whole defense shifted one way and, like, throws a, like, pass behind his neck to, I think, like, Ibaka or Steven Adams or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just, like, he does, like, all of these things. Like, he's the number of poster dunks that he's had. um, And and it's just, like, the entertainment value for a player like that is invaluable. Yeah. Um, To someone like me who, like, yeah, at the end of the day I want the Lakers to win a title, but like I'm watching basketball first and foremost to be entertained and then secondarily I want my team to win more often than not, you know. Yeah.
1: It's been it's been one of the more fascinating evolutions of sport. Like this isn't just basketball, but it's been one of the more fascinating evolutions of professional sports that entertainment in a lot of ways has kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Like, it, especially when you look at it from the perspective of how teams operate, where, you know, load management is literally antithetical to entertainment value. And yet it is also the smarter way, a smart way to keep an athlete healthy. And, you know, you have, you have those two things butting up against each other so often now that there is so much that I feel like we're we're missing in in the conversation of of sports is like, okay, yeah, yes, it, it it probably doesn't make much sense to take a pull up, you know, 17 footer given what we know about the stats behind the shot. But if it's done properly, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah. It can be so like I, I remember those, you know, Kobe taking a dribble to the baseline on the right side of the basket and it would look like he was behind the backboard and you Mm -hmm. could just, you know, you see him kind of gliding to the baseline and it was this beautiful shot that when he pulled it off was, you know, looked unguardable, looked so freaking cool when he did it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I remember, you know, that was one of the first conversations about uh, analytics that I can really recall running directly up against the beauty of the sport. And, you know, it's like the conversation at that time was, uh, yeah but like if he if he just did this instead pump faked and got the defender up in the air and he'd have two free throws and he has a higher percentage of knocking down those free throws than that jumper and stuff and it's like yeah technically and objectively you're right but I don't want to watch two free throws if it means sacrificing that shot yeah you know and and it's been it's it's so and and look I'm also I'm also by the way somebody who like I, I, you you tweet a lot about like these internet GMs, right? Is is one of your favorite kind of go to phrases? And every time I see you tweet it, I'm like, man, he's talking about me. Because <laughs> like, like this is this is a part of 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 the sport and covering the sport that I am really kind of fascinated about is like the the asset allocation and asset management and all of these things. And as I say those things out loud in relation to basketball, I'm boring myself. Like high school high school me is telling me. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Just <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Stop saying those things. And and yeah. and it's funny because that evolution of listening to the way the basketball is talked about now and analyzed now compared to how we talked about it ten years ago, and how we talked about athletes from ten years ago, and we can celebrate those athletes from ten years ago and say like, dude, that people forget that dude was a bucket, and people forget that. <laughs> You know so and so was a problem in all those things and we can say that about athletes who we didn't have to analyze with wins and losses in mind now when we can just look at them and be in, and and be entertained by their highlight reels from back in the day and i think russell westbrook is kind of the athlete who ran like who just who just happened to come maybe like seven years too too late if he was if he had come along seven years earlier we would just be able to 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 enjoy that guy's game and enjoy the things that he did and unfortunately, and but I also think like this is this is part of what I kind of wanted to talk to you about too is that like he also like there are things within his control that he could have done and focused on um, to a greater degree that he did to be better perceived in this era where wins and loss like his defense man like I I look defense isn't isn't always all that entertaining but it is a really it's half of the game. and and i watched him play defense you know this year and i've watched him play defense you know basically for the last like four or five years or so well he'll he'll have these squirrel moments where you know like the movie up right where all like he's he's focused he's focused he's focused oh squirrel and then he's just like he's just not in the play anymore and and like that's where i for me as as a as a basketball fan those moments are the ones that i find myself the most frustrated with because i that's within his control. If he did that, his teams would be better. We would, I would talk about him differently. And it's just, it's really, it's, it's hard to, it sucks to have to talk about this guy in that way when I take that into account. And, and so like when you, when you hear those criticisms or when you see him have those squirrel moments on defense, is that something that you just like pretend not to see?
0: No, I mean, like as a Lakers fan, obviously those kind of moments are frustrating, but the, but but the thing about that thing, but the thing about this, especially on the defensive end, like it's frustrating when LeBron does it, you know? It's frustrating yeah. when Carmelo does it. It's mm-hmm. frustrating when Monk does it. It's frustrating when AD was doing it at the beginning of the season, when we weren't sure if he was too heavy, the, you know? The entire it, it, team, it, it, just like all, collectively, yeah. they saw the same squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> they just ran over. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, if, if, if we wanted to, we can go back through every single de- defensive possession on the season. And there's going to be just as many times where LeBron's in the wrong spot, where LeBron's not giving the right amount of effort, where LeBron is pointing for someone else to go cover his man. <laughs> like he's not doing what it is that he's yeah. supposed to be doing. Like the assignments on the defensive end were in shambles from the jump mm-hmm. from literally everyone on the roster, you know? Um, Russ has had a long history of not being perfect on that end. Um, and, and that's my nice way of saying that. <laughs> I was gonna say I,
1: I thoroughly enjoy I thoroughly enjoy yeah. you, the politician. This is great. <laughs> um,
0: but but he he's um like there there's always been tears to like defensive players. Um, like, throughout the course of NBA history. Like, mm-hmm. you have your lockdown perimeter defender. You have your interior defender who's going to, like, clean everything up. Um, and then, like, you have like, your secondary guys, like, the the guy, you know, your wing defender who's, like, who's good, but al- also a great help defender and, like, mm-hmm. understands where he's supposed to be but might not Positional be. Positional defensive. Like, yeah. Um, and then you have the guys who are super athletic and – have spent their whole lives being able to like, oh, I know this pass is coming, I'll be able to pick it off from like, you know, third grade to like, you know, college. And then that's who they become in the NBA. And Mm -hmm. when you're playing against other guys who have also had that athleticism their whole lives, that doesn't translate at that level. And that's who Russ has always been, towards like, I'm gonna rely on my athleticism to help my team on the defensive end, where in the NBA, it's more scheme focused. And he's yeah. never really bought into any scheme for any team that he's played for, for any coach that he's played for um, throughout the entirety of his career. And you know, during the earlier years of his career, when he's had guys um, like Se- Sevalosha, who they can rely on to like be a lockdown perimeter de- perimeter defender, and then they'll have like a Serge Ibaka or Steven Adams to clean up things when things get messy, and he can roam. And, and mm-hmm. it works for them in that way. Um, and and then even like Kevin Durant, who became a really good perimeter defender. And so he's a guy who's been able to roam there. Um, they've, they had guys who were like really good on the defensive end, um, when he was in Houston, um, where he could roam and, you know, you know, steps were starting to be lost when he was in Houston. So like some some of those, um, errors became more egregious, um, even, um, even in Washington there were like. There were better defenders around him to where he can do some of those things, and it wasn't as big a deal. But then yeah. when you, there were glue guys.
1: There, were glue guys. There were guys yeah. who did the little, like even if they weren't like solid defenders per se, yeah. they, they knew their role and they, they, they did the little things that allowed their stars to go out and roam around. Whereas like this Lakers team was all like former stars, so there were no glue guys who knew their role.
0: Exactly, and so Ru- Russ's flaws on the defensive end only become exasperated when you know your team's leader in LeBron James is also not taking care of his assignments, when your defensive anchor isn't all the way there. And then when all your role players are either former stars like Melo and Dwight Howard or emerging players like Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, um, later um, Stanley Johnson, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's not a unit that can that can afford one person roaming or not understanding assignments or just missing assignments completely. And then, you know, there are stretches where you have four guys missing <laughs> assignments at the same exact time on the exact same possession. Yeah. Um, and since Russ is also struggling on the offensive end, he just became the whipping boy on both ends and kind of the scapegoat for all of those things, which is not to say that he was not flawed and which is not to say that yeah. um, there were times, that not majority of the time in which he was bad on the defensive end, but um, when it's coupled with you know some of the struggles that he's had on the other side of the ball, just like, you know, it, this is just what it became, you know, the conversation around Russell Westbrook and his inefficiencies on both side of, sides of the ball instead of looking at the team as a cohesive unit and seeing that everybody's struggling on that side of the ball um and it's not just him and it's just his issues become larger when it's surrounded by other issues with the team
1: well his issues also become larger because of the fact that he's making more money than everybody else on the team so like that what that like starts the target on his back and then and then it just kind of multiplies like like lebron not playing defense was always kind of explained away with well he's lebron and look at everything he has to do on the offensive side and he's leading the league in scoring and all this stuff and anthony davis like showing up a little out of shape and overweight to well he was just like planning to play center even though he didn't start at center um like you like the there were always that there always felt like more kind of ready-made and built-in excuses for for lebron ad whereas russ um didn't get i guess that benefit of the doubt to your point that that like it was never offered there was never any counter context that was offered up to explain how how things were going there is there a specific kind of play that you see russ make nowadays that like hurts your soul more than any other ones just kind of confused yeah i've always kind of wondered this
0: yeah i mean obviously at the beginning of the season like the number of missed dunks he had was
1: yeah and then he just little, like stopped dunking
0: yeah it, it was a little rough to watch um because there are there are a few plays towards like he makes the move on the perimeter and it looks like the old version of him and then he gets to the rim and it's just like oh wait you know I'm in my <laughs> mid-30s yeah you know, and it's you know yeah. the, the weight of age you know holding you down when you're trying to get to the rim you know
1: i just always i just always kind of thought of it there's a scene in ali um the movie where where will smith plays ali and and he's telling his bot like his brain is telling his body like duck here duck here there's a hook coming duck here duck here and then he doesn't duck and he gets hit right Mm -hmm. now i feel like i feel like if there was a thought bubble above russ it was like jump here jump here, go higher, go. Ho- Why am I descending already? Why? Like, And, 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 and I just, you know, I felt like I, I felt legit bad for him because like age sucks, man. Like it just, it just does like you, you and I have both like had our age, uh, affiliated injuries that just like you, you eventually your body just doesn't do the things that you were, you're, you were used to your body doing at some point and watching that take place to the extent that it did this year was was brutal to watch for him and i can only imagine like put me in the room with you when a miss dunk. like are you uh are you a, a like when you watch a game are you somebody who's like says something out loud is it just face in the hands is it change the are you a change the channel type of guy like how how does this go for you when you're watching him when you watched him this year
0: um there were a few games where I did change the channel and I had never really (laughs) been that kind of person um but this was this was the season from hell for for a number of reasons and even if Russ wasn't a part of it I just the frustration was beyond me yeah Um, but I mean like I I'm not really animated when I'm watching games um unless like there's an actual title on the line yeah Uh, like in involved. or you know, the World Series. I, I'll I'll get a little bit more into it, but you know, like verbally, is like, come on, Russ. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's oh, so sick. for
1: example, like the Dodgers Giants series last year. Were you, were you, were you animated for that one? And how yeah, did that go? I,
0: I forget. I I forgot too. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember there was a bad call at the you know end of end of the final game of that series but, but memory's strong right now. Yeah. Um, basketball <laughs> season started. We're in we're doing the baseball season. Um It's a new year. So, yeah. And, and once again the Giants and Dodgers are frustratingly with the two best records in the league. It's going to be yeah, it, it's going to be another bloodbath. Uh-huh. Um of the season. But um yeah, it, it's just kind of a little bit of that. It's just like come on, Russ. Like um um but yeah, it, it those are the plays that are a little bit more frustrating because it's like throughout his career, like if somebody's in his way, he had the power and strength to like go through them. Yeah. Now it's like, if somebody's in his way, like his vert goes from, you know, 35 inches to 25, you
1: know? And and it's, it's. pump faking.
0: Yeah. It's like seeing him
1: pump fake is just, it, it hurts my soul. It's like, dude, this, this guy was a literal tornado,
0: like for, for so long. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where it's like um it was really frustrating to watch from a Lakers fan perspective and a was West, Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook fan perspective. Mm-hmm. Um but it was also really hard to watch from like from the perspective of of someone who has like you know written about the game from like a tactical perspective and mm-hmm. who's coached the game and, and has and has like at least a fundamental understanding of things from a tactical perspective. And there was one of the things I think um, Darius wrote um, where it's, um, you know, Russ still has the kind of game. He still has a kind of body. He still has the kind of strength to where um, if he's operating out of the post a little more often instead of from the perimeter to where, um, you know he's able to either bu- bully smaller Mm -hmm. guards or like bring attention to him where he's like, um, can free up space for a LeBron or for a Melo who was shooting well at the beginning of the season or um, AD if he wants to come center opposite or something like that. And, you know, we saw a little bit of that and we saw some success when Mm -hmm. Russ was put in those um, situations. But um, Vogel kind of not like really putting everyone in the best position to succeed throughout the year it's not just a westbrook criticism but like a yeah, criticism. it's a bad vogel year um of the whole team because um you know the, the last two years you know last year was a little frustrating of a season but i thought he was at least decent tactically on both both sides of the floor i thought he made um solid adjustments for the team as the season pro- pro- progressed um in the bubble i thought he did a he did an incredible job of adjusting when, mm-hmm. when the time called for and putting the team in um, position to succeed. Um, obviously, in that season and even a little bit more last year, he had the kind of players that allowed him to make those necessary adjustments. But, you know, as a coach in the NBA, you're kind of, you know, you're dealt the hands that you're dealt at the beginning of the season. You know, at some point, you might have a trade um you might sign some um you know free agents throughout the season but you know the players you have are the players you have and, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to put them in the best position to, to succeed and i don't think he did that for anyone this year um you yeah. know lebron let let the league in scoring but he wasn't in the best position to succeed at the team level um yeah Davis, there's a lot of
1: threes like off the dribble which is which yeah. doesn't help anybody
0: yeah it's not winning basketball um you know lebron is closer to an incredible achievement but he's watching the playoffs from home you know mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah i i think um you know there were a lot of things that could have been done to make everyone a little bit more successful i think you know playing for this season goes from top to bottom you know like the way the team was built, the way Vogel reacted to the team was built, the t- way the players reacted to Vogel's to perceived all of the, above. Mm-hmm. Um, the way um, Russ was unable to kind of adjust to his new role surrounded by um, much larger and, you know, better superstars than he is at this point in his career. Um, I mean, like, in November, December, like, we were, like, we were crying for Austin Reeves and um, yeah. Stanley Johnson. Yeah. You know, that's not a team that's going to win a title if that's what the fan base is crying for. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> there it, were not, some
1: red flags early. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like it, It's not a team that, like, I, I think, like, game two or game three, I tweeted, like, out of frustration, this isn't a title team. Yeah. And then, like, and I remember, like, at some point in December, I was like, I don't know if this team makes the playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like,
0: that's one of the tweets I started getting killed for by both yeah. Westbrook and Lakers fans. Like, it was like, it it, didn't look like a basketball team, at least not one for the NBA level. It was just like a collection of basketball players doing yeah. the court, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I, this year, you know, there were, it's funny, I just did a show over the weekend and... You know, uh, Snotty asked me, James. I asked me like, what was the first red flag? What were the first signs of that this might, that this might not go very well? And I thought like the first definitive sign was they had a really easy schedule to open up the season, mm-hmm. and yep. they were still in the negative net rating range. And you're like it's not like you're going to have they aren't going to replicate this early season slate four times over it's just they're this is not great like they're going to start playing tougher teams they're going to play fewer games at home and all these things and and lo and behold (laughs) it didn't it didn't go well um all right let's wrap this thing up on on a somewhat lighter note um as you guys know as i try to even out the the scales of the number of times Harrison tweets out my stupid mislayup and everybody else's uh athletic shame. Um I I ask all of my guests here what their most embarrassing athletic moment is. Uh so Philip, do you have one that comes to mind here the of of the most athletic or the most embarrassing athletic moment?
0: Um I do, I think. All right. Um I I mean it, there's probably more embarrassing things from my life of playing sports than this one. Um, but most recently, a um, mm-hmm. good friend of ours, um, Ricky Chu, he, he has like a pickup game where a lot of us go and attend. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's probably the first game of the day. I have the ball on the wing. Um, setting up a crossover, I do like a little hesitation dribble and Mm -hmm. as soon as I put my weight on my right leg like my knee just completely buckled um fell over (laughs) collapsed um it it was not very you're okay okay? I'm fine ish I guess I haven't played basketball since then um (laughs) but yeah it's just like um just trying to set up a crossover like this before I get to the very end of this like this is my first time playing since my last knee injury you
1: uh-huh. um, uh-huh. so you're, you're already kind of nervous it's in the back of your mind
0: yeah and you know we had a few times down the court like i i hit a couple shots and i was like okay i'm feeling all right and mm-hmm. so like i had like when i play i'm only looking to pass most of the time mm-hmm. um and i was setting up the crossover to get to the paint because i saw like I knew Somebody. the big was about to collapse. I was gonna be able to hit um, my big for easy layup. And, and just the way that I crumbled was like the most <laughs> embarrassing athletic movement I've ever seen in my life. And when, when Rick has these um pickup games, he has two like GoPro cameras in in the gym. Oh no, and it's on so video. I, yeah, it's it's on it's on camera. Um <laughs> if the Giants win the first series against the Dodgers, I'll send you the video um oh you have something to root for in that series (laughs) but um yeah it's just um the most in athletic physical move I've ever made in my life um yeah
1: what was the reaction like in the gym was there was there like uh like especially once everybody figured out you weren't hurt hurt because like that's all that's always a you know non-contact stuff like when you see that the first reaction is okay is he okay and then, like, 30 seconds later, it becomes the, the jokes start flying, especially if it's people yeah. you play with regularly.
0: Yeah, so it there were no jokes in the gym. Um, this is the same group that has watched me tear my Achilles. And mm-hmm. so they were, like, pretty concerned about, like, you know, whether or not I was about to die because it seemed like a real possibility. Yeah. Um, but since the video has come out, I've seen <laughs> a tremendous number of jokes. Um, yeah. Largely like for my friends from high school, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a pretty site.
1: <laughs> I hope I get to see this video at some point. I actually yeah. have one from over the weekend. It was Easter weekend. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, we got together with my brother and sister-in-law and then they had another, uh, couple who had some of the, the their kids over. So there was a pretty decent little gathering for, for, uh, an Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. And, um, so like I'm, I, my feet I just like ba- i have bad feet at this stage of my life yep. and you know we're walking out there and Avery's picking up eggs and all of these things and like just just tore at my soul she wants to you know she i'm holding the the easter egg basket so she's grabbing the egg putting it in the basket grabbing the egg putting it in the basket and Avery is 2 years old and um still at like the the waddle kind of like she runs and stuff but it's it's more of like a you know it's kind of like albert pujols runs you know currently yeah. um mm-hmm. and and so and yet so she's grabbing these eggs and i apparently was moving too slow for her and she turns around everybody's kind of quiet you know how you know the, the 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 previous song had just ended and the other one was getting ready to start so it's like dead quiet there and everybody hears her scream, like "Come on, Dad!" And she's like, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, here I come." <laughs> and so just, just and, and for and this might have been caught on video. If it was, like, it's just kind of you can hear it off in the off in the distance. But the yeah. amount of jokes that I got immediately after my two year old daughter telling me I'm too fat and slow was, uh, you know, it, it hurt. It hurt. So, yeah, you know, Russ, right. I, Russ, I understand. I understand what you just went through, Russ. I, I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we we did the the Easter thing with um with the kids this weekend as well. It's, that that two year old waddle is so you know, Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna miss it. Well, we have another one coming, so I'll get to see it again. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Avery's two year old waddle. Yeah. Um. All right, bud. Well, thank you very much for for hopping on and and mm-hmm. allowing me to to poke and prod you about how tough this season was uh we didn't get any tears which i'm a little disappointed about i i was hoping to, to to elicit some tears here but we did get some 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 real insight into the brain of a russell westbrook fan and um i'm just asking again like the lakers there's a report out that the lakers won't even accept gordon hayward for russell westbrook so that's some good news maybe they're hoping to get terry rogier instead of gordon hayward here so like would that be
0: an okay trade for you would you be okay with that i suppose um but that does mean russ has to play with gordon and so it's like (laughs) my favorite team or my favorite player he's involved Um, so you see
1: you see russell westbrook in the nba next season He, he, he...
0: yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i he i mean He's Maybe. still like he he finished the season averaging 18 seven and seven, you mm-hmm. know, um, regardless of how much he's fallen off for who he used to be. Yeah, those are still numbers that most NBA guys are not going to be able to put up, you know, mm-hmm. um, regardless of circumstance. Um, I do think he has a value um, as a player. Um, he he's going to have to come to some sort of realization that he's not who he used to be. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, like, do you think he I, does? I, do
1: you think he's capable of that?
0: Cause I'm not positive. He has well, a lot
1: of Iverson it, to him is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. I mean it. And I I think most guys wouldn't be in the NBA if they didn't have that in them. So yeah. we're like, you you have to think that you're the best all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, some are able to kind of compartmentalize that a little bit better than others, um, but he, he's not hes not who he is and he's not where he is today. If his mindset isn't consistently like, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the court right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously that kind of mindset is gonna hurt anyone late in their career. It doesn't matter who you are. Melo went through it the last few years Mm-hmm. um and he's finally in a place where he's accepted you know i'm a role player now um who who can have like those nights where like i get, I can go out and get 25 every, every once in a while um and, and kind of ride up in arena with that um and, and you know russ did have his moments this season I mean, I mean he closed out the year fairly strong i think he averaged like you know 20 like six and seven on 50 percent shooting um from like mid-march through you know the last game that he played um mm-hmm. and he had like a couple spurts like in late december he had a run and like um february i can't remember if it was right before or right after the all-star break where he had like a little decent run so he he still has nba value He he's just not a guy to where his nba value matches what he's being paid and i think that's kind of the disconnect that most fans are going to have um and it's a circumstance that, like you know, he earned the contract that he has right now because of what he's done previously. And mm-hmm. until that contract line um, kind of ends, he's kind of going to get the criticism for a guy who's being paid that much. And so that's kind of like you know this little weird kind of um, period of his career to where um, we're going to keep judging him as a superstar um, or yeah. at least judging. Well, we all know he career. isn't. um as a superstar because that's what his contract says um Mm -hmm. and then you know once he gets into a more reasonable contract for who he is as an nba player now i think a lot of that criticism is probably going to fall off um because he isn't being paid like that anymore you know yeah i i i i do really believe that russ has if he has the same season but he's making like 15 million a year instead of 44 or whatever it was well, we're the Lakers would not. be
1: able to employ an extra good yeah, basketball player. Team. Yeah, we're
0: not having this conversation, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he was put in a bad position being brought onto a team that wasn't going to be able to maximize what he does best. Um, the rest of the team was put into a bad position because they brought in a guy with a contract. That was, yeah, that mm-hmm. didn't fit with the goals in which they were trying to achieve. Um, and... and The way in which they went about it by letting Caruso go, um, trading coups, trading KCP, you know, really the kind of guys you need around a superstar player to kind of um, manage things when he's sitting. Um, You know, bad team building, bad coaching, bad playing from everybody involved. And Russ Mm -hmm. just happened to be the biggest conversation piece around all of it. And that's kind of what the season boiled down to.
1: Yeah, and so you're saying it's too early for me to size up the Guangdong Southern China uh, Southern Tigers uh, roster to see how he fits on there? Probably wait a couple seasons and then...
0: Look, Anthony, I know you're trying to elicit tears, but I, I know there have been a couple times this season where I've challenged you to a fight over Russell Westbrook and, you know, I'm going to be in Texas in a couple of weeks so if that's if that's when this needs to go down <laughs> i i will fight you over china i'm just letting you know right now
1: south bay lakers probably probably hold off on on the invite
0: hey, look, they, they need to keep they need to keep rest so he can um be a mentor to uh, matt, matt mcclung, McClung. yeah <laughs> That's my dream scenario for next season is Matt McClung becomes the next Russell Westbrook. Like exactly who he is. I want him to have the same athletic ability. I want him to make the same stupid turnovers. Um, I want him to have the same like kind of post game interviews. Like I want, I want Matt McClung to be exactly like Russell Westbrook. And if if we can find a way to make that happen. Everything. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Honor the gift. That's all he's wearing next season. <laughs> Mac and McClung and just tweets wh- out "Why not?" all the time. Yeah, the <laughs> white knot Jordans and in, in the white why not fits.
1: Yeah, Mac Mac McClung white knot. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, uh, thank you very much for hopping on with us, man. It's always fun to catch up. And uh, yeah, if you are if you are in Texas and and uh, after our fight, our 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 boxing match, maybe we'll go out and grab some food and a beer and stuff.
0: Yeah, sounds great.
1: All right. That'll do it for this episode, this week's episode of The Anthony Irwin Show. Uh, lowdown tonight and then pressure cookers coming later in the week as we figure out more about these series and what they look like. Check out all that stuff on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Until then, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.